detective. Thrill me. Thanks for joining us again. Bit of Stephen King this this week, Jared. Been a while, I think, since we we've been down the King Road. I believe I mentioned Christine, and I think we've already done that. Yeah, I think we might. We have. probably dodged a bullet there because I, as soon as I started talking about it, I was like, "Yeah, but I remember, I remember this, that, and the other, and saying this was good and about it." I couldn't find the episode, mm. but I, I, for some reason, I think we've done it. Yeah, I think we had to. Yeah. So we've we've pivoted to some lesser. I guess this would be lower tier King in terms of film work. Yep. It's 1993's Needful Things. Maybe middle tier. Middle tier. But before that, let's go through what we've been watching, Jared. What depths have you plumbed in the last week? Uh... Well, there's a couple of couple of deaths that have been plumbed, but there's some. And which toilets have you? <laughs> reasonable work as well. Put your hands in. Well, so I watched Dave Chappelle's latest comedy special. Yes, and I, I think it's similar to the similar to the other ones. There's a few things where I'm like, just maybe just just ditch it. I mean, he can't he can't help himself getting involved in some of the conversations that have been around him lately, but. When you get away from that and you get into some other stuff, he's still he's still got the still got the ability to really nail a joke and tell a story really well. So there's there's definitely some stuff there that's worthwhile. But yeah, I sometimes wish he would just just avoid some of the the controversies around him lately. Piggybacking on previous things that we've spoken about, yeah, I watched the first Evil Bong movie. Did you now? <laughs> I did. <laughs> I did. And how was it? Uh, it was pretty average. Oh, okay. Pretty, pretty poor. <laughs> I, I am going to check out the others. And I have noted that some of the run times are a little little shorter, which would be, which would be nice. <laughs> Do you think the budgets get lower each film? Oh, the budgets are just like super tight. I mean, essentially this had two, two locations, two rooms, not even locations. Like one was, was a, a room in an a, Apartment and the other was this club sort of setup. It's just super, super cheap filmmaking. I, again, I've, there's just there's something with the full moon features where when they hit on a reasonable idea, sometimes you can get a few laughs or you can get a bit of a bit of a um, a fun time out of them. So I'm hoping that's what that's what happens later on. I hope they just kind of take the comedy and just embrace the stupidity and and just go with it which I believe it's is what happens with the series. So let's see. Let's I'll report back on that, but I had to take a break. From, <laughs> I, had to, I had to take a bit of a break from full moon features. So I uh <laughs> you got to laugh when you hear what I took a break oh with. My God. I checked out Auntie Lee's meat pies. What? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, Jared, like, fuck, is there, a, is there a spot? Is there a place you're not willing to go? Well, because... I mean, there's lots of this, is That's fucking amateur f- <laughs> filmmaking, isn't it? Well, this one had a bit of a budget, I think. Did it? It was like a, 19, I think it was 1990 or 91 kind of, 
I don't know, think a little bit Texas Chainsaw. What was it called? cannibal sort of affair. Auntie Lee's Meat Pies. Auntie Lee's Meat Pies. Pat, uh, Pat Morita as the, the sheriff of the little town and um, Michael Berryman as uh, one of the kind of hangers-on of the little group. And Hang what on was her name? Did Karen Black. Pat Morita? Pat Morita is the sheriff. Hell, that guy's nominated for an Oscar. Look, it was all right. It had a bit of Fuck. you know what you're getting into with those kind of I mean obviously Do there's you? a sprinkling of Well, you think there's a sprinkling of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. This this one made me feel a bit like part two, mm. where there was a bit of a comedic angle to it. It ju- it was just it got a bit weird. It just didn't commit fully to the cannibal kind of idea. But then also Auntie Lee's girls that were working for her were, were all these girls that had appeared in Playboy and stuff like that. And they didn't even they didn't really fully commit to that angle either. So I'm kind of like, well. What angle's that? I don't know, well, you know, what do you reckon? <laughs> what do you reckon? You don't hire people from Playboy for their acting ability, Adam. Is, it, is what I'm yeah, saying. I know, but I'd like you to actually point out <laughs> what. Angle, smart <laughs> nudity. <laughs> yeah, so they didn't even commit to that they didn't angle. Commit to that. Holy, that's shit. not to say that's what I was hovering no, around for. I mean, no, of course that's not the reason why you 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 clicked on Artie Lee's made. No, no, well, I got onto it because Joe Bob had. I'd seen the poster on there, and I was like, eh. And then Joe Bob on Patreon. Um, I'm on Joe Bob's Patreon. Well, he had this little thing where he fucking he was with. The girls promoting the movie. It was a little promo that Joe oh, from Bob back cut in the day. for a couple of minutes, like they were having a barbecue. He's having a barbecue with a couple of the girls that in the movie are cutting people up to make the pies and stuff. So okay. I saw it there and then I was like, well, it's right here to watch, so I better check it out. Okay. So after that, I went to a little bit of John Carpenter. I needed to fill some holes in the resume. I watched Ghosts of Mars. It sucks, so, doesn't it? Uh, it's not great, but it's also it's one of these situations where I'd heard it was so bad that I got I, I, got, I kind of watched it and I went, oh well, no, it's it not wasn't bad, as man. bad as I thought it was going to be. So yeah, it's it's not a good movie, but it's got a bit of that carpenter kind of you know that that uh, a solid kind of a solid bit of bit of a setup. Yeah, kind of like Escape from New York sort of. It's, it's got hints of Escape from New York, hints of. Salt on Precinct 13. To me, I thought the fucking design of the people that were um, fucking possessed on Mars was just rubbish. And then, of course, the score. Didn't they was have bit, like fucking pierced, you know, piercings yeah, through their noses? Piercing and things and stuff. And then the score was really. It had touches of. Was it by stuff? Yeah, I think it was him with, with input from others, but it had um, touches of. Like carpenterish bits here and there, but then it just hit this point where it just felt like it was fucking unrelenting. And uh, that's yeah, that's an early Statham mm. performance, isn't it? Yeah, I wasn't big on him. Not in the field. <laughs> no. How's no. Ice Cube acquit himself? He was okay. Yeah. He, I thought he was. Well, okay. Ice Cube's got the right amount of swagger and shit for that yeah. type of thing. Yeah. After that, oh, been a rough what? start. <laughs> All right. Gets a little bit better. Let's get back on well, deck. I don't know. It depends. Gets, Let's get on solid ground. Gets better briefly. So after that, I, I went back to The Hitcher. Oh, the original? The original, which yeah, I have seen the Hitcher. for quite a few years. I recalled not really liking it, 
but really enjoyed it this time around. Rutger Howell was excellent. Yeah. And C. Thomas Howell, who, I mean, obviously the guy's had a decent career, but I never really kind of looked at him as like delivering. I think um, Soul Man might have fucked him up. <laughs> I wonder why. Oh, yeah, yeah. But he was actually really good too. In those sequences where he's got to be alone and sort of delivering this fucking frantic kind of scared performance, he does really well. Uh, it's a little bit frustrating at times, the, the amount of times he gets pinned for, for things. Yeah. But, yeah, really good movie. Rooker Howard is just awesome. So after that, I decided to check out The Hitcher 2, the one where Jake Busey takes over the uh, the role. The Hitcher role. Uh, um, lesser. C. Thomas is back and Carrie Wurra is right. with him. Just a rehash but with, a, with a bit less craft going into some of the – some of the sequences, I feel like it wasn't again. It wasn't terrible. How's Jake Busey in the in the Rutger role? Well, he's no Rutger. No, no. But he also has but to do some. Are. He also has to do some sillier things. Yeah. For example, there's one where he kind of gets to a diner before they do, so he fucking sets himself up in the kitchen. Hmm. And I'm like, well, Rutger didn't have to do that. No. Um, and the remake, if I remember correctly, they squandered. Well, was it Sean Bean? I watched the remake. I watched the remake. They, they squandered fucking Sean Bean's acting skills. Again, I didn't hate it. No, um, I think it's not I as bad it, as everyone makes no, it. No, and it's a pretty much it's a pretty much beat for beat. Like they have all the all the major major parts of the original with a, with minimal tweaks. One big one in particular, but I think the thing that they maybe do wrong for that one is pair the boy and the girl up from the start. Mm. So it doesn't allow this kind of – it doesn't allow that what C. Thomas Howell was able to give early on where he's just fucking, you know, losing it and doesn't know what to do. Jennifer Jason Lee in the first one was really good too as coming in and kind of believing him. And So, yeah, I did, again, I didn't hate it, but just, yeah, not quite as good. I think if you were looking to <laughs> look at a circle, one of those, you just it's go straight first. to the first one. Yeah. The last one – actually, no, two more. After after kind of um, you know being wrapped up in Rutger's performance in in the Hitcher, I went for a little more Rutger and I went for Blind Fury. And I which, love Blind Fury, <laughs> which was surprisingly it's fucking silly as, but it's, yeah, it's surprisingly good. held up pretty well. Yeah, I, I'd forgotten that Rutger gets a few laughs out of it. Mm. I recalled the one in the car where the guy said, you know, he's screaming at him, what are you, blind? And he's like, yeah, what's your, what's, what's your excuse or something like that. Yeah. But there's a few more bits there where he gets a few giggles. And, yeah. It's not taken too seriously. And it shows, like, it shows you got a bit of a silly idea like that, but you throw a couple of reasonable actors around and you get something like that. Yeah. <laughs> you get something that's a bit Is that fun. a Philip Noyce? Yeah. By Philip Noyce? Yeah. Yeah, and he's a handy director. Mm. And the last one I went to was Natty Knox, which was Dwight Little's movie from late last year. Return to the horror genre. Return Dwight. to the horror genre. Uh, it's got Danielle Harris and Bill Mosley and Robert Englund. And, uh, yeah, again, okay. It what seems is it, a little. Well, that's the thing. It seems a little confused. The setup starts a bit like Candyman sort of. Uh, sets up sets up a bit of a Candyman kind of vibe, a bit of a ghost story kind of vibe, but it doesn't stay that way. I think the strength of it is some of the characters in the the group of teens 
they handle those relationships reasonably well. Like the, the kids that are in there all do a pretty decent job and them and some of the peripheral characters are a little surprising. Like you see them early on and you think you're just getting one note kind of vibes, which they twist on a little bit as you go, which I thought was was good. So, yeah, if you're interested in, in him or, you know, the actors or that sort of thing, yeah. or you just happen to be floating around Shuby and there's nothing else to watch, Arnie Lee's Meat Pies isn't available. Yeah, you can jump right. onto Natty Knox. Yeah, if I can't get onto Arnie Lee's Meat Pies because so many people are <laughs> watching it, yeah, like that sort of thing. <laughs> Find Natty Knox. You laugh, but I saw as soon as I mentioned it, as soon as I mentioned, you know, Matt, uh, Pat Morita and sort of the, oh, the yeah. thing, you kind of thought. Mm. I'm not going to lie, I sort of felt like, well, hang on a second. <laughs> this sounds a little bit classy as I Actually, you know what? Going. When I said Playboy, I saw you go, yeah. okay. <laughs> oh, bullshit. <laughs> Don't try and fucking stick me in there. <laughs> All right, okay. I kept going with Reacher on Amazon Prime. Uh, I also watched The Act. Which is the one with uh, Patricia Arquette and Joey King, and it's about the the true crime story of the the mother and daughter where she was sick all the time, and mm-hmm. turns out, you know, Mum was pulling this fucking Munchausen by proxy yep. type of deal, and then she was murdered. Uh, look, it was really good for the first five episodes, and Patricia Arquette and Joey King, Joey King especially, are absolutely fantastic. But it just goes off the fucking, it just falls apart. Do you, reckon, they, uh, do you reckon, like, hearing a little bit about that story, I reckon you could have done that in a movie. Probably, know, yeah, probably. Series. Probably. The se- or you could have cut it down to, like, four eps, mm. in my opinion. Things go off the fucking reservation because you've spent five episodes showing what a fucking just awful person this woman is. And, and and there's no other way to describe it, Jared. There's yeah. no other way to describe it. And then they try and kind of like humanise her with an episode where we go back into her past and I'm just like, no, you can't. Yeah. Like it's it's not worth it. Mm. And then everything just kind of just, it just plateaus and it just doesn't, it just falls apart after that. Yeah, right. Which was disappointing. As I said, the performances are excellent. And I then watched the documentary on it, the HBO documentary on the case on Binge called Mummy, Dead and Dearest. Mm-hmm. It absolutely, like, drove it home. This woman was an absolutely awful, awful, awful human being. Mm. Like, no, There is no way to, to step around it. Everybody they spoke to was just like, this was people in her family and that. They were just like, she was just a fucking piece of shit. Mm. So it's hard not to think, oh, I mean, nobody deserves to die, but there's a kind of little bit of this, you got what you deserved in it. Well, it felt almost like it, it's, it wasn't self-defense in the moment, but yeah. it felt almost like Yeah, that. kind of. It's just the way it, they went about it. Yeah. Um, and there, there were other options, in my opinion. Yeah. Just break away. Yeah. Just fucking run away. Well, it was clear that she could fucking walk. Yeah. So I think you yeah, you can head out the door, can't you? Yeah. Yeah, see you, mama. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll catch I'll you later. <laughs> I am 25, not fucking 12. Yep. Uh, so I watched all that. Watched another documentary called Camp Hell, Teenage Nightmare. 
which is about the uh, the wilderness survival camps mm. set set up in the eighties by this particular bloke, who it just descended into abuse and you know all sorts of shit. One camper died and like it was just fucked. And then this guy gets off the charges and then goes and reinvents himself doing another bullshit camp somewhere else. You know that type mm. of thing. Typical. Yep. Typical of this type of stuff. It was interesting, but it was, it was sort of average. I'm on a bit of a, I'm on a bit of a, a doco kick because my wife says has wanted to watch 52 docos this year. That's her. Yeah, right. So, I, I caught another one that's yeah, you know, not really our bag, but it was called Longest Third Date. It's about these two people who went for it on their third date, went to Costa Rica, and then COVID hit, mm. and they were stuck there for like 80 days together. I mean, it was pretty. Sounds like a winner. It, you know what? It was it it was filmed and edited very much like an episode of fucking Love Island or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It was not particularly great, in my opinion. But you know, they seem to have made a connection and are together still. So, well. I also watched another one. This was probably the most interesting. It was called Girls Can't Surf. It was on Stan, Jared. I know. Yeah, you, know, you have a long-standing feud with Stan, but. Well, they haven't charged me after I cancelled, so. Well, that's good. They're a step above Paramount. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it was it was looking back at female surfing, the rise of female surfing from the seventies through to now, uh, and basically the pioneers of the of the sport that then made it. Now it's equal pay, I believe, on the on the tour, and you know someone like Stephanie Gilmore is, is making millions, mm. you know, as a as a surfing champion. And so they look back at some of the, the Aussies and South Africans and Americans and that who sort of were big coming through. That was very interesting. Um, and I, I must admit, Tony Gregg, I got to fucking laugh out of Tony Gregg because they show a Wide World of Sports segment they mm. did about women's sports and they're taught, uh, women's surfing. And all the males, Australian males, are there going, oh, you know, they need to look like women. You know, they can't dress like this and... You know, oh, they'll never be as good as the blokes and all this sort of shit. And mm. then it cuts to Tony in the in the in the studio, and Tony's response is, uh, "Wake up, fellas! It's the nineties." <laughs> it's just like, yeah, good one, Tony. Good idea, Tony. Good idea, Tony. But it was really good. It's really worth worth looking at. Uh, we've been watching "Fool Me Once" on Netflix. Mm. It's a sort of a thriller series. We're four episodes in. I mean, it's fucking super interesting, but it's all happening. Like, every episode's got ten different fucking things going on and you try to work out what, you know, what's happening with this and what's happening with that. I get the feeling it's going to go right off the deep end in, in about a, an episode. Then we're going to find out some kind of weird conspiracies going on and what have you. But it's reasonably entertaining. And the last one, Jared, relates to um, your mate Johnny Cena, mm. who you've... Yeah, recently took a bit of you, – you gave him a little stick after freelance. Well, I don't know if I gave him stick. I, I think I just, just – You pointed out John should know better than picking <laughs> freelance, I believe you said. I think I may have said that. He probably should have also known better about picking playing with fire. Right. Which was in okay. 2019. Yes, I did Which is kind one. of your game plan, yeah, that mm-hmm. one with the rock. Yep. Uh, and, yeah, we were looking for a little bit of, you know – Mindless bullshit to watch, me and the wife. And I said, oh, you'd probably enjoy this. It's, I think it's like the game plan. 
So you're, you're getting stuck into me, but then you're hovering around this, pretending this is some highbrow No, shit. it's not highbrow. I'm picking, saying it's not. You pair are picking a trumped-up <laughs> kindergarten cop and you're giving me shit. Look, I'm not fucking picking movies about evil bogs, mate, right? Or people with meat pies yeah, but made you should out of be. That's, that's the problem. I know, that's the problem. Well, it's true because after watching it, I was like, fuck, I wish I'd have watched Evil Bog. Yeah. It's... It's these movies are so fucking, you know, like they're so by the numbers, you know. And Can I throw this at you too? These movies are still at the heart of it, based around. Oh, look at this! It's a bloke. He's got to take care of a child. Yeah, I know. he can't do that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and having be, being a man who has actually <laughs> who has helped raise a, a, a female child. I kind of take this pretty fucking hard. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm raising two. I think I'm, yeah. oh, look, I feel like I'm not, I, I may not it. be the Johnny Cena of child rearing, but I think I'm doing a decent job. It's but. it's just and and look look Cena Cena's a, a a perfectly capable actor. Yeah, he is. Um, and oh, you look, know, I'm a big fan Keegan of the Michael guy. Keys in it and John Leguizamo yeah. and stuff, and they're all good actors. Yeah. But the material's <laughs> just so fucking. I mean, who makes this like? The thing that I look at is which studio goes, yep. <laughs> yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah, but Who which studio goes, says, yep. Oh, yeah, yeah, awesome. Which which talent agency attaches Cena, Legazama? Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> which one of these guys go, like, when does Cena go, no, no. Well, you get someone like Key. He probably hears from the agent, yeah, yeah, we've got you a comedic role. John Cena and Legazamo are already in. What do you think? Yeah, okay. Yeah. We've attached him and then we send him the script and he goes, oh, fuck, <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> I guess the, the thing about someone like Cena is it's it, 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 it harks back to the problem we have similar with The Rock is that they continue to look for, and, and Arnie had the same problem, mm. that we're looking for tailor, tailor-made films. Yeah. We need a tailor-made comedy with kids. Oh, here's some shit that we pulled off the fucking the deck. Yeah. And we'll just punch it up for a bit of Cena. It doesn't, like, it, to me, Cena's a good enough actor to, to, to be a bit more choosy. Well, That's my opinion. And I think I mean, The Rock's the same, being we, more choosy. We kind, of, we kind of looked at that The Rock kind of ended up, like, sorry, he started out in a couple of those smaller roles just, you know, doing something a bit different. Mm. It didn't always work out. You know, there's always no, the Southland Tales in there somewhere. But no. Batista still does that. Yeah. Even though he's got a bigger yeah. profile, he like, still um, can take like a... Like your, your um, knock, at, knock at the cabin and things like that yeah, that aren't yeah. really a wheelhouse for him. And and he doesn't have to be the the guy leading it. No. Again, his resume is not perfect. He's got a couple of stinkers in Seven. there. But... Well, that's probably in the in the positive, <laughs> more in the positives than the negatives. But um, yeah, he he he'll take a he'll take a fucking supporting role. I, I guess I I look at it and say these guys have a bit more to offer. Yeah. Than this, I guess the Rock is is in a different class now because his is very much about brand too. I mean, he's selling Under Armour gear, he's selling tequila. He's got to be put himself as as the king dingling. But I I just yeah I don't know. If you got to if you got to be the star of the movie, okay. But can we just just do something a little different? So yeah. So I hear what you're saying. 
I'm so just looking it, forward to to boil know, it right down. It's a, I'm just looking forward to Johnny Cena getting back into Peacemaker and sort of you know getting the star back back up yeah, there again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I don't want to see him like this. <laughs> <laughs> it's like seeing your favourite rock star fucking drunk yeah, on yeah. stage. It's like stumbling across a current, <laughs> a current John Bon Jovi video yeah. on YouTube. And going, and holy oh, shit, is that guy, is that the same guy? Yeah, I think. Exactly. Um, yeah, because I mean, he was, Cena was, Cena was right in the pocket. He was feeling it. And then within the space of a month he has freelance and gets his movie canned. And it's like, fuck. Although well, that's now back on the back on the playing field. Well, they're, they're trying to shop it. it. Yeah, yeah. Zaslav's so put his hand up again. Has he? <laughs> well, I think he I'll responded get it, to the backlash. I'll take it out of tax break. On I think that. he responded to the backlash. <laughs> I think I think what he'll do is he'll say, "I'm shopping it." Then quietly, when it dies down again, you'll find he's taking it, taking the tax. Are break you? Off. Do you think that conversations between him and Cruz, because now Cruz has picked up Cruz a deal with Warner Brothers? Yeah. Do you think Cruz's response to him was? None of my movies get fucking resold. Do you understand? <laughs> like you don't fucking well, shop you know, my I stuff read around. The, I read the Hollywood, Hollywood Reporter article that apparently TC and Zaslav hit it off. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but he's cut a deal that says, I think it was like there, there's two movies. Two, they were talking two movies or something like that. But then there was a line that um, there's no deal that locks Tom into anything. There's no, <laughs> no deal that locks Tom into. Having to make anything. So do you think Tom's just been there going, talking double dutch the whole time? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, look, I might make that. Yeah, look, yeah. Because yeah, one, uh, one of Zaslav's um, second in charge is Michael DeLuca yeah. these days, which uh, I like that because he was always a champion of uh, some of those some of that shit that we were begging for. <laughs> <laughs> no one wanted to touch it. because <laughs> <Yeah>, he. <laughs> I know. So Luca was championing Freddy versus Jason, I exactly. think. Exactly. So for a long time. You know, if we can get Tommy Cruz to come back as Freddy Krueger or something, <laughs> maybe we'll be onto something. All right. Okay, that's everything for me. Let's take a break, Jared. Uh, and here's the trailer for 1993's Needful Things. The devil is in Castle Rock. Oh, you wussy. He's charming. You are disgusting. <laughs> I like that in a person. He's understanding. I killed my wife. Hey, these things happen. And he's been around. So where are you from? Ohio. From Stephen King's best-selling book. Three. Needful Things. Rated R. At theaters August 27. Needful Things from 1993. Directed by Fraser C. Heston. I believe son of Charlton who directed Alaska. It's produced by Jack Cummins, who produced The Addams Family. The screenplay is by W.D. Richter, who wrote Big Trouble in Little China, Jared, and it's based on the novel by Stephen King. It stars Max von Sydow as Leland Gaunt, Ed Harris as Sheriff Alan Pangborn, Bonnie Bedelia as Polly Chalmers, Amanda Plummer as Nettie Cobb, and J.T. Walsh as Danforth Keaton III. The budget, I couldn't find details on the budget, but the box office was $15 million worldwide. On May 1996, the TBS network aired a 187-minute extended edition. The extra footage includes more of the citizens of Castle Rock and their lives. 
namely the character of Cora Rusk, played by Lisa Blount, shown only in passing in the current version. And that's what I said while I was watching it. I think we saw her maybe twice. Yeah. And I think she has one line yep. in that entire bit. So that, that's interesting. Uh, just a side note for everyone, we have recently purchased the uh, American 4K edition of, of this film with the 190-minute cut. That's, that's not correct, is it, Jared? That's on there? Mm. So we're probably... Uh, I don't know if it's American, though. Keto Lorba, where are they from? I don't know. <laughs> I think they're from Europe. Somewhere. Okay, so European. But so we will probably report back on that in the coming weeks or coming months when we finally get hold of it. Mm. I'm going to give it a run. But, Jared, what was your take? Firstly, have you read this book? No, this is one of the King books I haven't read. I actually watched this a fair while ago too. So I don't have that uh, that background on on this particular one. I do want to read the book though. It was, it's one that I've been kind of circling a little bit, never, never dug into it. So overall judging based just on the movie, I am kind of familiar with a couple of the extra things that happen in the book. It's a really cool setting and premise for, for a, for a story. I love the idea of, the small town second hand store. Yeah. It's kind of like that that just sort of cash um, inverters. Cash small town <laughs> cashies <laughs> that trades in stolen goods. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, the idea is is really sound. It's like a it's like a like a really sort of modern take on classic kind of stories of being tempted by the devil and, yeah. and whatnot. So I'll give King some credit for that. It doesn't pan out well, it's another one of these ones where you look at it and you say, this, this is a really fucking cool setup, but it leaves you a little lacking. It gets a bit of steam. It gathers a bit of steam when people start going through with their end of the deal. And we'll talk about, you know, particular parts of it, but it, it gathers a bit of steam there where we start seeing, seeing some consequences. And But it just feels overall like it gets a little lost with the leads, and I don't know whether this is a product of, of the hour that's missing. I can only assume that that entire hour is not dedicated to that one one character that was cut. No. So it, it just feels like Pangborn especially is just absent for a real hefty chunk of the first and second act. And then when he comes back in, to me it felt like his progression through figuring out that Leland Gaunt is something else happens really quickly, but everything around that seems to drag. Um, and then we, we end up with, we end up at the end with, with a bit of just fucking sheer lunacy breaking out for <laughs> yeah. a few minutes there. Yeah. Um, you can see a little bit of the comedy that the King was talking about. A little bit of the dark humor does kind of make its way into the movie at times, but overall I think it's, it probably doesn't land and, and fulfil the promise of, of what we were looking for. So I went with a two and a half. Two and a half. All right. I went with a two. I kind of felt like you. I mean, this is weird to say, but I want to see the three-hour cut. Yeah. But yet I felt the two-hour cut was too long. Yeah. Which Which is extremely strange because that extra – Stuff then adds an hour's worth of 
material, but I feel like it needed to be a bit like that. Let it mm. like let it run a little bit. Uh, some of the pacing's not there. It's a good cast and it's an excellent idea, but just there's no real focus. There's no atmosphere. There's no real pace to anything, and it only comes alive in the centre portion for a, 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 you know, about 20 minutes and then the end where it just everything starts fucking out. I just felt like it's a bit, it's kind of a misfire mm. of one of the, one of, in my opinion, one of my favourite novels of his, which I have read a couple of times and I really like the book. So I, I do want to see what the three-hour cut has in store. Yeah. Because I feel like it might flesh out more of what the book well, it seems like the parts that drag perhaps are dragging because they're taking us away from stuff that was underdeveloped, like the stuff that we want to get back to with, say, Pangborn and Bonnie Bedelia. Mm. Does the three-hour cut actually make that stuff work a little better so that when we go around to the shit that's happening, because I know there is more of the external characters as well, mm. which might flesh out a few of the few of the their might deepen a few of their characters a little bit, their, their motivations and whatnot, um, because it, we see touches of it, but not not all the way. It would also be interesting to know, is the three-hour cut edited differently? Mm. So well, things we're going to find out, Adam. We are going to find thanks out. Thanks to the Kino Lorber. Uh, Kino Lorber. The wonderful uh, folks 4K. there. Yeah, the, the, the additions. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. It's one of those cases where we kind of sit here and we go, gee, that was a... That was a tough watch. Can't wait to watch an extra hour of it. <laughs> yeah. Can't wait. Absolutely Cannot wait to watch an extra Cannot hour Cannot fucking wait to pay $42 to get this again, even though I said it was fucking average. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, straight out of the gate, I like the premise. Oh, it's fantastic. The idea really of cool the townsfolk idea. coming to this antique store, this kindly old man, and then he starts to sort of, you know, oh, I need you to do this for me. It's another kind of variation on the monkey paw, right? Like Yeah. Get your wishes, but careful what you wish for. Sort yeah. of, um, and I like the idea of putting different to that, people yeah. against each, pitting people against each other, because other people are doing things on behalf of what Gaunt is asking. You know, yeah. to start rivalries elsewhere. So I really liked all that. I, th- I think, as far as a an idea goes, that's rock solid. Well, setting up this really, you know, it's setting up. The greed angle, what people will do for these the, the things that they want and the whole idea of him setting up this, oh, but you have to do a little thing for me, which is just a little prank, and it's like, oh, okay, well, they're doing something they know is probably not right, but, uh, but they're not know. seeing the deeper consequences that are going to come along. And then when they do see the deeper consequences, they don't care because um, I know people have mentioned maybe it's King talking about his, his addiction a little bit too, like they're, they're into it, they're already in it. They can't yeah. really see beyond the small thing that's causing these bigger problems. And and I do like along the way Gaunt goes from kindly old man to, you know, you owe me. Yeah. You know, yeah. you haven't done what you said you would do. Yep. So you don't get what you get, you know, what, what you wanted. Yeah. I think those are great. That's That's great. That's great stuff. It just kind of creates this whole vibe of like, like you kind of see why they want to go into his store and then – but I want to get out of it. No, nah, but you can't now. You know, you're not, yeah. you can't get out of it. You're in the book. You're in the book. You're in the fucking dirty old book. You're in the dirty book. Great cast. Yeah. Really good cast. Cast a very talented kind of um, 
character got yeah not a not not really an A lister. Ed, even Ed Harris, you would you would kind of say he's a B lister, not like it. Well, he's he's in that caliber of actor, but when you say A lister, you think about people that drag in lots of money and things like that yeah. too. So he's he's probably not even in that tier, but across the board, just really good quality. Yeah, quality, quality work. people. Yeah, I was very impressed with that. Like um, Max von Sydow brings that touch of. Class is the old, you know. He's out, yeah, he's outstanding. outstanding. Um, JT Walsh, JT Walsh, your favorite. Ah, oh. Ed Harris, of course, is good. Bonnie Bedelia, Amanda Plummer, yeah, all really good. Even what's his name? Uh, Ridgeway, yeah, I'm a bit of a fan of his work, yeah, he's done some, done some things as well. Really, really liked it. So, the cast is probably its strength, and that's why I'm really keen to see the three hour cut because what character work did we lose? Yeah. And these actors can fill and flesh some of that out. Well, Stephen King said it was amazing. Did he? I mean, Stephen's never been one to overstate overstate the the work, (laughs) uh, you know, when a check comes in and says, Stephen, can we get a quick tweet about this? Never one to (laughs) shy away. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. He's never one to tout his own bullshit, has he? It's like Stephen walks past needful things and hears Leland Gordon out the front going, Stephen, I have another... (laughs) Another contract for a movie. And he's like, like take it. Ooh, yeah, okay. I'll sign that. <laughs> exactly. I, I I don't know why, but I had to laugh when uh, Billy Ray Cyrus was playing on the on the jukebox and the drunk, the drunk bloke. <laughs> As it starts skipping and going, don't tell yeah. my heart to skip. And he, he wanders over and says, ah, sounds like he's having a epileptic fit. <laughs> Yeah. And then starts fucking booting the shit out of it. Yeah, yeah. That was strong delivery. Yeah, it was. I believed he was absolutely shit-faced. <laughs> I know, so I. <laughs> yeah, he, I reckon there's a bit of method acting in that. Oh, absolutely. Look, absolutely plomb-stonkered. I also enjoyed the fact that, uh, you know, finally we start a movie with a prank that is fucking harmless. I mean, when did anyone ever die from having turkey shit on their sheets? Never, <laughs> never. never. <laughs> Just a classic prank. Especially when the woman comes home. Walks fucking straight into it. <laughs> Rounds the corner. What as are you oblivious fucking blind as or something? Be. And like, then when she comes off, she's got it fucking on her ears. And then on her she nose still has time to make a phone call yeah, without yeah. having wash a Wash yourself. Before you pick up that phone that we're oh, all going to use again, yeah, yeah. fucking wash yourself. Yeah, her <laughs> husband's in the back going, fuck, there's turkey <laughs> shit all over the bloody receiver. <laughs> yeah, every time you go to call someone, you just, oh, fuck. <laughs> It still fucking stinks. <laughs> uh, but all in all, classic classic stitch up. Classic stitch up. <laughs> Although I have got a question in the dislikes about Brian Rusk. Yeah, okay. Yeah, interesting Good. question. Good. I, I really like that sequence where he gives Hugh the jacket. Yep. And he kind of explains, Hugh explains how, you know, when he was in high school, he was the man and, you know, before he became a bum and all this sort of shit. Yeah. And then... Gaunt gives him the jacket and everything, and he's walking away from him, just just slowly walking away, and, and Hugh's following him, and he's like, do you know Nettie Cobb? Mm. And he goes, uh, yeah, I think he says something about the he killed, she killed her husband or something. Yeah. The crazy woman who killed her husband. And then he, he just sort of turns around. He, he says, what do you want me to do? Or how, oh, yeah, that's right. He asks how much the jacket is. Mm. And Gaunt just kind of turns around, and he just smiles with this kind of look, and, and he opens the knife. 
Yeah. And it's kind of, it's. The first hint of like real sinister. Yeah, yeah sinister. There, there's a creepiness to the, the way he does it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really, really well played. Mm. You'll probably know more about this having read it, but I've heard that character in particular is one that highlights the advantage of the book in this situation. I've read in the book, it's kind of, um, because he doesn't get a jacket, does he? He gets the foxtail or something that was Yeah, on the, the foxtail, yes, yes. But I've heard he, that he, he's used to put the on his car yeah, and all this sort of shit. Aerial. And, like, I've heard he's one of the characters where in the book you get this real sense of tragedy. Yes. Like, it was like oh, he, he's wanting to relive when he really enjoyed his life. Yeah. Just before it all turned to shit and alcoholism and shit like that. Yeah, that is. And, and it, it would, I'm, I'm really keen to see what they do with that. I mean, Foxtail. Change to Letterman jacket probably isn't that big a deal. You still get it, but yeah, the yeah. idea, like the the sense in the book where you can go into someone's fucking thoughts and have them explaining. Well, to think you. about that from the again, probably from the dislike perspective. But you only get a flash of what they you get want a flash of him and what the car, they were. You know, and like, he has a couple of sentences that don't really probably give the depth to it all. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But the book does a really good job there. The idea of kind of, and I think you had a slightly separate like in terms of the characters and what they got from Gaunt. I like the Danforth one. Mm. I know it was kind of like I need, I need, I need, I need to get out of this money hole that I'm in and this idea that this game, of this horse racing game, if you play it beforehand, you know, you get the results in advance. And you can bet on, you know, you can bet on that shit. I kind of like that because that was his character. You know, that was who yeah. he was. Oh, I, I don't have any issues with with what people are getting. It was just with the, it was just with the the leads. Yes, which I'll get to later. Yeah, it's actually, it's, it feels like it should be a strength, but it doesn't doesn't really play out that way. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, I I dug, especially the jacket. I thought the jacket was excellent. The horse racing one, I thought was cool because he goes into this. It kind of. Accelerates looking at him as a little, going a little bit mad. Yeah, because he goes back to like a childlike fucking. You see him in the pits of oh fuck, this horse is losing again. Like you know. Yeah. And then when he gets this, he goes into this kind of gleeful kind of. Yes. Um, you see the mood swing, but he he looks a bit crazy when he's playing the horse racing game. Yeah. So I I, I like that. I thought that was one of the better things to it. Yeah, I'll talk about my issue later, but yeah, I I didn't have any dramas with. It. I actually really liked it as well. The tickets they put around Danforth's house, uh, including charges for being horse for horse fucking, <laughs> for being the biggest cocksucker in Castle Rock, and for cord holding your mother, <laughs> which uh, excellent stuff again. Half a prank. Uh, half a prank. Half a prank. Sorry. I mean, I don't prank. know how many times I've been pulled over and given a ticket for being the biggest cocksucker in Canberra. <laughs> that actually happens uh, every week. That sequence was good though because it's it was the start of. Um, That's when things started to ramp up. Yeah, it was. You actually got a bit of a laugh out of that scene, and you got very quickly, very quickly shifts because you know kind of what's going on with the dog. Mm. But you get this. You actually, as an audience member, get this sense of oh, you're having a bit of a laugh, and then you just fucking there's a horrific 
thing coming next. Yeah. So you get that kind of sh- that shift a little bit. It was also one of the points where the music worked the best. Yeah. I think. Yeah. The music was actually on point, like the 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 kind of soaring sort of um, orchestra sort of sound in the back of that while she's gleefully. You could tell, I think it was really well acted by Amanda Plummer too because you could tell she's kind of Loving having it. a little bit of a chuckle at it too. Yeah. And that's that whole period of about 20 minutes there where we get her dropping, putting them off, we get the dog, we get um, <clears throat> it sort of moves, the throwing of the apples by Brian. Yep. You know, we get all that in and a row and then we, then we get the we cap it all off with the blue between. Nettie and Wilma. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think that that's probably the, the film at its best. Yeah, absolutely. And it's pr- probably what, close to an hour in? Yeah, maybe? about that, I think. We didn't get it a lot, but there was a few parts early, and I think especially in the back and forth between Pangborn and, and Danforth, I know you are not a, not big on, and I'll let you have a have a say on that later on, but I know you're not big on how the small town aspect of things works in this particular one, which is usually a strength of Stephen King's stuff. Mm. I am probably in agreement with that. The part of it that I think does come through yep. is especially in that relation, you get the sense of the small town fucking living in, living in each other's pockets and everyone knowing everyone's business, which is part of the reason why the setting works well because when – Gaunt sets off one little prank or whatever. Everyone knows it's oh, it's going to be this fucking person because yeah, they yeah. know about my fucking dog or whether they don't yeah, like this right. or whatever. So Leland plays on that, but I think that's mostly the strongest with Pangborn and Danforth, especially where they're talking about you know when he when he starts telling him about the town funds and whatever, and you can see how easy it's going to be for Gaunt, or you get the sense you know reading into that of how interconnected these people are and how these little things can fucking flare up or how somebody's greed can impact everyone else. And Yeah. I thought that part worked okay. Yeah, look, it did. It did. There was a couple of moments there where I I liked the way they handled, like when Danforth and Ridgewick come face-to-face the first time. Yeah. yeah. That's a nicely played sequence. It gives enough information to know why they're at each other's throats, you know, in the initial phase, so we can we know how it's going to play out. In the future, right? But just even that stuff where he's like, yeah, he's calling him a cigar chomping fucking used car salesman. And he's mm. like, boats! <laughs> I'm a <laughs> fucking yeah, yeah. Used, I'm a used boat salesman. Yeah. yeah. All that kind of stuff works well. And I think that does, yes, create somewhat of a, a small town vibe. But. It is lacking. It is lacking especially it overall. Visually. You get a hints of it visually, but not a lot. Yeah, you don't really even see in the centre of town. No, you see the street a couple of times and the, you know, and the like shops. Classic, a, a classic example of this is the way they do it in Jaws, mm. where Brody turns up, in, goes into town in the morning and he walks the street Yeah, and we follow him and all these fucking dickheads are sticking their hands out going, ah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is fucking going on. And we get the geography, but we also get that every every prick's pissing and moaning about something shit. Yeah, yeah. So. Even something like that would have helped. Yeah, I think in this case, and it was close, right? Like in the opening scene, they're sitting in the cafe, but they're looking out the window and talking about what's going on. Just if that's shot just a little differently to give you, as you said, a little bit of the geography of the main street of the town or something, mm. that would have been a big, big help. I mean, that's something we, yeah, 
we we were um, both probably had in the dislikes. Yeah, we've we've gotten to it a little early, but it certainly fits around this same sort of thing. But yeah, I agree. Just just a touch of the town stuff. Yeah, I agreed. Especially when you got the kid riding around all the time. Yes, but you never see. We constantly just see him riding through the fucking through the woods or the something. woods. Yeah, it's like, yeah. well, why? Just follow him down the street or something. So we get yeah. That's that's a. Uh, that hurts uh, quite a bit, I think. I mean, you could have done it with him riding into town and, and, and everyone saying hello to him. Yeah. You only kind of see it when he rides around the corner to the store, but you don't get any sense of where that store is. Well, Later right. on, we see seem to see that it's like just at the end of the main street or something, but yeah. I never quite got well an understanding out. where Needful Things was positioned. No. There wasn't a lot of thing. I didn't have a lot of likes until near the end. The excitement ramps up at the end. Yeah. And, and we get a lot of explosions and everything comes to a head. Yep. Kind yep. of successfully enough. You know, old mate screaming about his book. He yeah. took my book. He took my fucking treasure out. Yeah, he fucking took it out. Get out of my Holy shit, mate. Take it easy. He's up. Yeah. And uh, there was a, also the part that made me laugh in the, in the fucking police station where Ridge Ridgeworth gets the uh, the mousetrap on his hand, yeah. and he starts, "Oh fuck!" starts screaming all around. Oh mate, the fucking just the the coldest delivery is just kind of like, "Oh, he should have read the card first. <laughs> That's <laughs> right, because it said the 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 handicap spots are now yours. Yeah, so he yeah. would have known it was from. <laughs> I couldn't stop laughing. The driest delivery, exactly, was bang on. And my last like was. I do like that Gaunt is still alive. Yeah. At the end. Yep. And then he just kind of comes wandering out. He's not all burned up or anything. He just looks like he did. And he kind of gives this ominous kind of, you know, final kind of remarks to Pangborn yeah. about meeting his grandson in the Which future. Which I like. I, I feel like it should have been a little less specific. Yeah. Because it starts to raise questions about, say, if you knew. If you knew what was going to go down in this town, do you still turn up? Because like, yeah. you seem to know what's, what's happening, in, happening the in the future. So there's a couple of questions there. I mean, if you had it been a little vague, vaguer, I kind of, I, I sort of like the notion of, well, I just go to town to town and just fuck try to cause it doesn't always work, but I just try to fuck yeah. things up as best I can. I like that idea yeah. of it. So do I. Any other likes for you? No, no, that was that was it. All right, into the dislikes. It's just like it's lacking in atmosphere. Yeah. Like you've got some ingredients there you could have used. There seems to be every night there seems to be a bit of fog in the air and things like this. Mm. And it's an older town, so it has those older buildings and cool architecture it could have had and little sort of side streets and back alleys we could have used. But there's just none of it. Like, and this comes into what I said about the lack of the small town vibe. It's the same thing that we've just pointed out. It doesn't seem to be directed very well. And maybe, again, they had to cull a lot of shit out of there so you don't get the, in the 190-minute cut, you get some geography and you understand everything that you need. Maybe some of that's where they lost out. Yeah, I think, I don't know if it's not, 
I don't know if I would say it's not directed well, but I think in that sense, yes. I think it the exteriors and and making use of what seems to be the the type of location that, that King loves to work in, it seems pretty crucial to kind of lay that out and and give us a real sense of the town. And yeah, we are missing that, which does I think it does affect the atmosphere because it just seems like you get into just little bits of this. Just make you watch something and go, yeah, it feels like a Stephen King bit of work. Yeah. And this doesn't have that? No. You, I mean, if I didn't know the, of the novel, I wouldn't have known. You know, I wouldn't have felt it. I wouldn't have said to myself, it, it feels like Stephen King. No. You know what I mean? No. So I, mean, I think there's some there's a few issues there. Look, the director was green, so to speak. I don't think he had a lot of experience prior to that. So maybe a bit of that shows, but again, it's hard to cut the cut the legs out from under the director when you actually shot 190 minutes worth of stuff. Yeah, and that's, and you're not getting to put it all out there. Yeah, that's part of the reason I don't necessarily just want to say it wasn't that well directed, but I think there was particular scenes that were well directed and were well done. So mm. yeah, I think I would probably circle exactly what you said: the exteriors. Geography of the town, somewhat, or an understanding of where we are, where needful things is like the cafe, for example. It seemed to be close to the shop, but then we only see it a couple of times, and we see it sort of separate from the shop. Mm. Even though we get them looking out the window at one point, talking about needful things, we get Leland Gaunt in the cafe. Do a little more of that. Mm. Show him wandering back to the shop or something like some something like that. I know he he appears very mysteriously, but. There's ways that we can do that, isn't there? I agree. Agreed. Music. Christ. <laughs> it's up and down. It's over the top. Like Initially, it constantly. Is too. We don't even get through the credits before we're we getting... like, <laughs> we got fucking like like orchestras and, and, yeah. and people fucking. We didn't get through the credits before we had the rising action. Yeah, that's for just, sure. It was <laughs> rising action. It's like it's like someone jammed the accelerator on and couldn't get it off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? As I said, I think it did did work really well in particular parts, namely the you know that sequence. Yeah, it worked really well. Yeah, the, the when, middle when the tickets are going up, you know, accusing people of. Cornholing their mothers, <laughs> their mothers, and things like that. That, that. It was definitely on point there. Yeah, agreed. Ed Harris got his engagement ring off the telly. Come on, he's, come he, on, he, he, he says to somebody, oh, "It's not as good because I got it off the TV." Got it off the and TV. I was thinking to myself, hell. "What the fuck did you get off the TV?" <laughs> because yeah. that stuff wasn't known to be that good. No, no. Like if I wanted to extend the ladder. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if I want to extend a ladder that somebody says, this thing's, you, know, you cannot break it, and then proceeds to stand on and break it, that's what I'll buy on TV. That's what I want. You know, I remember I remember watching one one day where a bloke said, oh, these glasses are shatterproof. And he hits it with a hammer and it just went, <laughs> he's like, did you see that? It broke, but it didn't shatter. <laughs> yeah, I was expecting you to be that little conversation to say, yeah, I got it off the TV and they sent me a free ShamWow with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fucking, I woke up to bloody Tim. What was his name? Tim. 
Tim Shaw. Tim Shaw. Tim Shaw. I woke up after a train of drunken haze and saw Tim Shaw on the fucking TV. And he said something about engagement rings. The next thing I know, this thing turned up. Yeah, yeah. It was, ten, there was a fucking it. packet of steak knives. And I bought it well. within the 30 minutes, so I got two of them. <laughs> <laughs> they sent me two yeah. for the price of one. Yeah, exactly. What are you going to do with the other one? Oh, I don't know. Wait till I get married again. <laughs> Thank you, Alan. Yeah. Well done. No oh, wonder she's, she's, uh, she's gone cold on you. She immediately cools on his bullshit. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, Pangborn, you've only got yourself to blame. She wanders into needful things and Leland Gord goes, hmm, here's what you need, a real engagement <laughs> a ring. proper engagement <laughs> ring. This one, is, shit. this one isn't plastic. This one's made. <laughs> you know what, though? That when he shows it to, I can't remember who he shows it to first. Yeah. It's not Nettie, is it? No. Oh, no, it is, yes. It is Nettie? Nettie. Yeah, that's right. Oh, Nettie yeah. should have been going, no, 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 yeah, no, no. He's up put, the put, put that away. Listen, if you want that to actually go on her finger, you better go and find a proper one. Like, Are you using that to size her up? Yeah. 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 Not good work, Bang Now, this is one of my big dislikes. The sequence where we first see Gaunt writing Brian's name in the book. Mm-hmm. And we just notice his fingernails are really long and his hands have this kind of like monsterish kind of look about them. Yeah. And I'm just like, you have you have just given the fucking game away straight away. Yeah. Like, I know that he's he's making people's dreams come true, or, you know, the interests come true and everything. There's clearly there's something a bit mysterious and supernatural about him. Yep. But don't fucking do it straight away. Like, that's just yeah. to be... To a little me, more subtle. Delivered later that he yeah. is not human and basically he's the fucking devil. Yeah, yeah. A little more subtle would be. Would it just be a it just kind of it undercut everything to me. Yep. I think you're right there. We've kind of touched on it, but I feel like as a product of having so many characters, which at times is good, as we said, the best sequence in the film for mine is when we get the exter- exterior characters playing their pranks and escalating and but we really lose a lot with the leads. There's, there's really not much of anything developed between, I mean, Pangborn and what's her name? Polly? Polly, yeah. Polly's relationship is really underdone. Yeah. And it's because we're sort of spending all this time around other people, which I said I think is good. And this is why we got to the end of this, said, oh, gee, that's a bit rough. Can we watch the three-hour one? Because I feel like it does have a lot of space to just add a little more of that stuff and strengthen it while still having the exterior what's going on. Because I felt like by the time Pangborn kind of rounds back into it in the second hour, you're just like, we don't even know you. We don't know you and Polly's relationship. We don't, there's just not much there. All we know is you're a cheap prick who buys exactly. engagement rings off TV. Yeah. And that's about it. All we know is that for fucking Christmas she's getting a set of steak knives, <laughs> <laughs> which you got for free yeah, when yeah. you made your last And when she says, what's this, you're not going to have a decent answer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why have I got these? Oh, I don't know. He says, you're not happy with that? Well, have you heard of a slap chopper? Because I got one of them too. <laughs> Would you like that instead? <laughs> what about a shake weight? <laughs> <laughs> <Toe-toe>? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How about I get you a pair of shake weights? <laughs> 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 what about 
was yeah. that was a fucking Cristiano Ronaldo was flogging where you put the fucking thing in your mouth and go <laughs> Shake your head around. It's supposed to be good for your fucking neck or your chin or some crap. Yeah, Pegboard's got it. I'm like, sure he's got an ab crunch as well. When, oh, on. no <laughs> doubt about that. When I saw it, I was like, surely Cristiano Ronaldo has not fucking <laughs> not used He that. hasn't used this. No. Christ. <laughs> Jesus no. Christ. Yeah. But, yeah, I, it, it really undercuts them. Yeah, absolutely. Because they are your leads, and they yet they seem to be both minimally involved. Yeah, for and a large so portion of the picture. by extension of that, here's the problem I had with the whole needful thing aspect. Right, I didn't have a problem with what people were getting, as you spoke about. Liked that that um, Dan Forth's things were tied up just in a little board game kind of the vintage board game sort of thing. So the problem I have is that it seems like. Polly's character, some of the other characters, it is a need, right? Yep. It's, it's, it's some, oh, sorry, it's not a need. It's something that you want. Want, yeah. Whereas Polly's, it still is that, but it seems a lot more pressing when she's losing the use of her hands. Yes. That's a strong, strong, real strong motivation to kind of dig in. And it feels like we were building up to something like that. We start with Brian, who's a kid. Doesn't really know. He wants his baseball card. Hey, I can I can relate. I like a collectible. I'm with your kid. But if it comes down to will you sell your soul for this, which he doesn't know he's doing. Well, will you throw, will you throw turkey shit on someone's? Oh, mate, I would throw turkey shit on anybody's <laughs> fucking laundry if he's selling me a, you know, a Tim Duncan rookie card signed. <laughs> Michael Jordan rookie card, gem mint. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'll throw. I'll fucking throw turkey. You, you wait. You wait. You'll find turkey shit in your bed tonight. Um, but. It starts with that, right? And then it builds up to, okay, well, someone like Danforth, Hugh. We go Hugh next. Yep. He's, the loser, the yeah. you know, the, the guy whose whose life never panned out. It starts to get a little deeper there where you see he just longs to not be in the grip of he just longs to go back to a time when he was enjoying living, basically. Which is a little deeper. And you get something similar with Nettie, where she's just kind of got something that reminds her of, of a better time. You get to Danforth, it's a bit more pressing. It's like, well, fuck my life, I'd be in danger <laughs> if I'm not paying back this 20 grand that I'm pinched. Yeah, out of petty cash. Mark's um, got 20 grand in petty cash. Yeah, and it feels like it's escalating. And for Pangborn and Polly, it seems like it is a real. And this is where we're missing a big chunk of their relationship, right? She's, it's obviously impacting her that she's got something that's making her really happy. It seems to be, well, in the brief stretches we get, she's really happy until she sees this fucking engagement ring. But <laughs> she gets to there she, and it she, seems she like... She chews on it and gets fucked. Yeah, it seems like <laughs> really she wants real. to know that this is going to be something that that lasts. Yeah. Right? And it's, it's not going to be impacted by what she sees as her her body failing her or, or something like that. That, to me, seems like... Yeah, I can see why Stephen put that as, as the leading character. With Pangborn. Yeah. But we just don't get it in the movie. No. We see it a couple of times and we see it, oh, well, it's, it's fucking quality of life, basically. But it just doesn't feel strong. Yeah. And, and it, it exposes other questions too, Jared. Mm. Key questions. Why is Pangborn immune? 
Because he's cheap. <laughs> he buys yeah. shit off the TV. Even when even when Gord Cheapness says... Cheapness is not a cent. <laughs> <laughs> even when Gord says it'll cost you 50 cents, but you'll have to play a prank. Pangborn says, I don't 25. have 50 cents. <laughs> 25. Okay. Like, he fucking he barters like the dickheads out of hardcore porn. He's <laughs> <laughs> bartering people down. <laughs> By the way, that our TV's got that fucking shit on... Yeah, it's, it's a Samsung, so it's a yeah. smart TV. Yeah. It's got channels of crap. Yeah, yeah. And there was a fucking episode of that on. And I love these people who come in and go, three grand. And they go, 100 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And these guys go like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it because, yeah, they it's come so in strong. They're from fast cash. They come in strong. I'm not, doing, I'm, not, I'm not taking anything less than three. And as you said, they go, I'll give you 100 bucks. And they go, yeah. 250, 120, yeah. done. <laughs> 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 you drove a hard bargain yeah, what, I, what I love is um, I don't want to lug it out of here. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. They will take any fucking thing. Yep. But this is where the big questions come from. Why is he immune? Because he was in Gaunt's store. So what sense do you get of that from the book? I, I can't I quite re- – I don't recall why he's immune. I think it, the idea I got from everything was good versus evil. Yeah. He's the good guy. Gaunt is the the evil one. Yeah, evil people will succeed if good people turn their Yeah, turn their, turn their back. So turn I get all that. He doesn't. But it's not delivered here. Yeah, it's not classic king kind of – I mean – he should be as clean as a preacher's sheets. <laughs> or fucking clean as Wilbur's sheets prior. Before I turn up, <laughs> wheel past on my bike and fling a lump of shit at it for my next card that Leland Gore's providing to me. So these are the key questions for me. It's, it's not very well stated as to why he's immune. Because yeah. he's in the store. In fact, he's having pie with the guy. Yeah. But, I mean, I know there's a bit of a conversation there where they kind of talk about where they came from and everything like that. Yep. And it sort of feels like Gaunt kind of backs off him as mm. if to sort of go, mm, Not nah, my mark. Nah, not my mark. But it does, it's, again, it's, it's, it's not very well handled. Yeah. Secondly, why is Gaunt wanting to fuck Polly? What's, what's that got to do with anything? Yeah, I don't know. Is that just his own carnal... Delights or what? <laughs> just a bit of a, a bit of fun on the side, I guess. I don't yeah. know. I'd like you to do something for you, but before we get there, <laughs> yeah. So that never yeah, really see, makes a lot of sense because she really actually has a she has a flashback to <laughs> a room yeah, with Gord. Yeah. Imagine copping that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of I don't know. I get. I, I just I kind of got with that was just like a more kind of explicit sort of. The fact that he's kind of seducing everybody with, with what they want. It's but does that just, mean kind she of like wants to shag him? Seduction. I don't know. Is it the timeless art of seduction? Because it doesn't, didn't <laughs> seem that timeless. I mean, that guy's been around since fucking before do Christ. Do you reckon Leland Gore's got a got a, a crooning album called "I Do My Best Work After Midnight" or something like that? Or? Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's he's probably got something like that. Yeah, yeah. But it, that none of that makes sense. The second, another question I have is why is Brian Rusk doing several things? Well, he was paying for a pretty fucking good card. I know, but it seemed like that was (laughs) all he had to do was fling a bit of turkey shit around and he's fucking living life. But see, he he never gets into the depths of it in this. His is all still prankish. I mean, busting the windows is escalation, but it's not fucking skinning a dog. Yeah, and that's the thing. Why is he the one 
I mean, because he's the young boy, I guess. Yeah. But he's he's playing some pranks, and he knows that. And I guess Gorn keeps bailing him up. Yeah, yeah. And keeps kind of just pushing him to do little things that lead to bigger things for other people. Yeah. Go over there and call her a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, go on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> She'll love it. It'd be piss funny. Go on. Tell her, tell her that she said it first. <laughs> but those those questions are just they hang. Yeah, they, they hang in the little... air and they don't get answered very well. Mm. And once again, I don't want to be an asshole if knowing now there's an hour's worth of extra stuff. Well, it doesn't matter because you already are. So oh. you just go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. That's why, that's why Gaunt would have sent me back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gaunt, well, you would have walked in and he said, I've got nothing for you. You're yeah. already locked in. What here. are you looking your for? Your name, see this? <laughs> see my book? He goes to a page. He's just got your name scribbled across the whole page. Yeah. Like, He's like, I fucking dealt with you years ago. <laughs> What Don't are you worry. doing here? You're coming. I'll see you soon. <laughs> You're already locked in. Yeah. I feel the flames dancing behind me <laughs> when I go past the fucking church. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like a sunburn. You walk past the church, church you feel more ah! sunburned. You can't get any closer. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> my, my footsteps quicken. <laughs> Funny, that. Funny. Yeah, yeah. I walk past the front of the here. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, fuck. I wanted it with uh, my, my kids had a thing at the church at school the other day. I wanted it with my father-in-law and he's like, oh, geez, just be careful that the roof doesn't fucking fall in on me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know you probably felt hot under the collar pretty, pretty fucking quick as well. I, I noticed you wouldn't have put your hand in the fucking holy water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I put my hand in the holy water and went, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was a slight side note. Wilma's husband's a fucking gauntlet. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. I mean, Rusk destroys the house <laughs> and he knows nothing he knows of nothing. it. It's no. the only joint for, it seems like the only joint for miles and he can't hear. <laughs> I know <laughs> the turkeys are fucking back. loud, but... <laughs> Shit, and from what I could tell, Jared, he'd been feeding those toy turkeys all fucking day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I my, mean, I started twenty four seven job. My absolute favourite bit of work from him though was when he wanders back in as the two women come crashing out the fucking first first floor window. His wife with a with like a, a cleaver, cleaver embedded, in, embedded her in her face, and he goes, "Oh, Wilma." <laughs> <laughs> Too late, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Talk about, like, understated uh, reaction. I can guarantee uh, once, he's another one that Gaunt uh, said, Wilma. no, I won't even waste my fucking time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gaunt, Gaunt was sitting there trying to ask him what he wanted. Uh, Gaunt's there there going, what do you want? <laughs> and he's fucking stepping on his foot. <laughs> and he's like, huh? <laughs> The last two things for me were the Danforth Ridgewick sort of fight. Yeah, it kind of seems like it should have been in the middle when they were, when all the feuds were happening. It seemed, yeah, yeah, yeah. It seemed like it should have been more around the time. Um, and it, this is where like Pangborn comes back in for a bit, and then this goes on, and then yeah. we go back to Pangborn. This is where it's kind of uneven with the. How it's dealing with, with the characters and stuff uneven, there. Jack. 
I did enjoy, though, after he kills his wife, he gets on the phone to Gorn and he goes, oh, I killed my wife. Is that wrong? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think you hit the fucking I, hammer on the head, mate. I haven't, I haven't consulted any lawyers yet, but I'm pretty sure it's probably wrong. <laughs> Lawyer up. <laughs> Get yeah. somebody. But you're right. It seems to. It seems to be the wrong place. Yeah. And, yeah. and maybe, I'm, maybe it, it wouldn't. And it doesn't really escalate anything because it's less than what we've already got when the two women just go ahead and kill each other. Yes. It feels like it's sort of... Because um, this is just a punch-up between these two. They yeah. kill each other in the balls. And- I think it's a more extended kind of... Danforth himself is more... It's just like a more extended descent into, into madness. All. Yeah, and into he's madness. rambling on about them fucking talking I mean, about him. He kills and- his wife, yet he still looks less crazy than old mate that was rutted through widget about his first edition fucking Treasure Island. I mean, audience. that guy was Get off his board <laughs> about that. <laughs> Jesus, mate, keep it awesome. cool. Yeah, like, just- I understand you're in the devil's grip, but <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the least fucking important thing you should be worried about. Yeah, yeah. And things like that, he is a minor player. We only see him with the Treasure Island thing, like, briefly. Yeah, yeah. But again, what's the point of him? Like, if you wanted to maximise, you've had a two-hour runtime, mm. you want to maximise, you need to cut some of those. Yeah. To keep Pangborn and Polly's relationship brewing and all that stuff. It feels like they picked some of the lesser, they, they didn't pick well in the editing room. Yeah, and I would like to know more of... Like how much control Heston had over trimming it back to the two hours? Like yeah. what sort of say he had, and and how, how yeah, what he was forced to lose. It would be interested to interesting to see how it all plays out. Do you think Stephen was in the editing room? Oh fuck no, nah. he's nowhere near it. No, nah. he just he'd recently seen Leland Gorn, picked up his check, fucked off. Yep. All right, my last is like the devil kind of basically gives up. You know, Pangborn doesn't shoot. Danforth, was it? No, doesn't shoot the Reverend and then just fires into the air and then just scolds every prick for yeah. being an asshole. And they all go, Yep, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, Take yeah. a look at yourselves. Oh, yeah. Fair point. <laughs> yeah, fair point. We're all muggles. I would have liked more of dressing down. You're all a fucking, you're a fucking disgrace. A lot of you. <laughs> you guys should be ashamed of yourselves. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, he's. And who pooped him a cruiser? <laughs> well, that, that would have been, uh, I mean, you want some black comedy. Just get everyone stepping forth saying, yeah, yeah, I was the one that, uh, you know, I did this. To I threw the apples. I threw the apples. You get someone saying, yeah, I shot your cruiser, yeah. Sheriff. Yeah. And then. Lily Gordon. He goes, Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, oh, sorry. I just I thought we were just being truthful. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It just feels really weak. Yeah, it doesn't feel like Gaunt has much power at all in that last scene. Yeah, so he suddenly goes from being dictating everything that these people will do yeah. to just going, all right, fuck. <laughs> I'm leaving. Yeah, all right, sorry. I'm going to get a toilet roll because I only did it recently. <laughs> I haven't had a time to wipe yet. But, um, it, it feels like so. <laughs> the part of- <laughs> look, look, I'm just warning you, it's fresh. <laughs> 
it's pretty big. So, so I'll just get you let you know. It feels like Danforth is his kind of um, what's old mate in the stand? Uh, in the stand, um, is it Harold? Yes, that he kind of gets a grip on. Yep, feels like Danforth is like that, right? Like he's got a hold of someone who's going to do the work for him. But it feels like perhaps maybe it should have been Polly because she had, as I said, I felt she had the strongest. Yes. I need this. I need to be able to live. Yeah. It seems like my life. Maybe having more of a grip on her down the stretch might have helped that. But I feel like you're right. Like everyone just. As you said, a bit of a they bit just of a, fucking fold. A bit of a dressing down, and everyone says, "Oh fuck, sorry, sheriff." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yep. The devil made me do We're it. I apologize. We're on to you. And then Gaunt kind of packs up his. I oh know Danforth dives into Gaunt and there's an explosion. Yeah, which is fine. And again, it comes to you know something that I liked was him coming out of the the flames. Yeah, absolutely unscathed. Yeah, still going on with the Pangborn stuff and. Yeah. Which oh, is oh, sorry, Dan, yeah, Danforth going on, and then Leland, yeah, yeah. coming out on yeah, so he comes out on skates, and he just sort of says, "I'll be back," kind of thing. Like I never go away. Yep, that was all good, but it just feels like the how things ended didn't sort of it didn't kind of showcase Gorn had much going. Yeah, I would have even been happier that that everyone's going off, and and Pangborn has to sort of stop them all, and then we find that Gorn has already left town. Or yeah, like you know, yeah, that my last work here scene, is done. That know? last scene kind of takes place without Gaunt being there, mm. and then Gaunt and Pangborn have a bit of a one-on-one to finish up, like it, like it played out. I think you're right. It may have worked out better if if Gaunt was somewhat removed from that last sort of back and forth. Yeah, and then but Gaunt, you know, but yeah, it feels like if it's it feels like the devil should be. A little harder to be, you know, rather than telling everyone you're a disgrace and turn around and say, pack your shit and get out of here. The devil probably would have a little more pushback. Yeah. Pack your fucking, your bronze dicks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, pack your, your bag of bronze dicks. <laughs> You'll be in fucking sex toys that you were given to the, to the priest. But, uh, or was it the Reverend? One the of them Reverend, was taking I think the that Reverend shit. Took, the, took the bronze dildo. But you know what I mean? Take all that shit and get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> so I was a little disappointing in that respect. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it, it's funny because we have had three people killed, right? So it feels like, yeah, he's had an impact. He has. He's had, he's had a. And um, you still could have had like a final thing where, I don't know, Pangborn um, I still think pulls him over the on, on the thing. highway on the yeah, way yeah. out. Yeah. And or they have a quick discussion he, where he still Gorn says to him, oh, it wasn't my best. Work. I like the fact that he walks out of a of a situation that you shouldn't walk out of. Yeah. If you can retain that part somehow, but yeah, have that that confrontation being he's puppeting it all, but he's not actually standing there doing it because you know that you know that it's happening. Yeah. I think Maybe that would have been more useful. Out. But you're right. I love the I love the idea of, and this was the thing that the the whole comments about how specific he was. I feel, I feel like it's, well, why don't you just skip the towns? You know it's going to be a fucking shit fight in. Mm. Um, but I, if it was a little vaguer, I love the idea of, well, you know, it's not my best work, but yeah, this so is on. what I do and yeah. I'll keep doing it. Agreed. I like that idea as well. Mm. Anything else from here? No, that was it. All right. Until, we, until we watch. Needful things, yes. 190-minute cut. I am looking forward. I'm actually looking forward to the 190-minute cut. Might be able to come back and have a have a. Maybe yeah. Quick discussion. We'll, we'll on tack, an, tack it on somewhere, or throw in a quick mini episode where we talk about 
what was added mm. in the, the longer cut. But you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and Podomatic. Send us an email at thrillme at iinet.net.au. Like us on Facebook at Thrill Me Podcast Australia, Podomatic at thrillme.podomatic.com, and Instagram at thrillmepodcastau. Make sure you rate and review us across all platforms. Keep an eye on our Facebook page for details of the next movie that we cover. But until then, take it easy, and we'll catch up with you later. Cheers. Find the podcast at Podomatic or on iTunes. Don't forget to rate and review. Like us on Facebook at Thrill Me Podcast Australia or contact us at Thrill Me, all one word, all lowercase, at iinet.net.au.